Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, July 20th. We begin with an update on the state of COVID in Canada. From the return of random testing at select airports to the eligibility to receive a fourth dose of vaccine in Alberta. We get the latest from Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, family doctor, vaccine researcher and founder of Prime Health Research. Next, we flip through the pages of a new book taking aim at racism. We speak with New York Times bestselling author Kate Schatz for details on her latest title, Do the Work, which uses humor to promote an anti-racism message. Are your kids ready to get out and stay active this summer? Or more to the point, are you ready to get your kids out of the house and off their electronics? We speak with Bob Baker, founder and head coach of Calgary-based Striker Sports, for some options with spots still available this summer. And finally, we get details on the sweet new issue of Savor Calgary magazine. From cookies to donuts and even ice cream, editor Cami Laird brings us some tasty suggestions to sweeten up the summer of 2022. COVID cases are on the rise and another round of booster shots now available as of today with some insight in a potential next wave and what it might mean for you. We're joined this morning by Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, family doctor, vaccine researcher and founder of Prime health research good morning dr gorfinkel thanks for being with us thanks for having me sue always love chatting with you how concerned are you and and the medical community uh, about this potential wave of covid that's uh, upon us now i guess i'm quite concerned i think people are underestimating its effects you know so yes we're lucky that ba4 and ba5 which is the predominant variant going around now that's an omicron subvariant. Yes, we're lucky that it's less severe. It's less likely to cause hospitalization. Most of us have had two doses. Four out of five of us have. But I'm concerned about the Albertans, and we're just talking about three out of five Albertans now who have not had that third dose. That third dose is critical in protecting against Omicron. Is it perfect? No, it reduces it by just over 50%. But it's still some protection because so many Albertans are not protected against Omicron without having had that third dose. Dr. Garfinkel, we have that opportunity as of today. Those aged 18 years and have not had uh, a shot within five months can can get that booster if they've not. Uh, But we've heard more than a few people, just anecdotally, family, friends, coworkers saying, well, I had COVID. I don't need the booster. What do you say to people who say that? Yeah, so that's the that's the the second booster you're talking about. You know, so it, it's great. People over 18 can now get a second booster. So I'm talking about the three out of five Albertans who have yet to get their first booster. That's pretty concerning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that fourth dose that's it's helpful, but mildly helpful if somebody's young and healthy. But it does prepare for the fall because we're expecting a ride in the fall in terms of, you know, people are going to be congregating more. It's, it's colder weather. So we are expecting a huge uptick in the fall. So it's important to get ready for that. Uh, back to what Andy mentioned about people who've had COVID already, doctor. You know, do we know, are there any kind of statistics at this point on the risk of reinfection? Oh, there's some excellent statistics that just came out of Qatar, actually. So if somebody had an infection, I'm talking about before Omicron, if somebody had COVID before Omicron, they, they're protected by about 15%. You know, so if somebody has had Omicron, though, the protection is actually pretty good against getting a second Omicron infection. Then it goes to about 76%. I'm talking about 
having a symptomatic infection. Now, what if somebody has the benefit of having been vaccinated with three doses and has had a previous infection? Then you're talking about a 77% protection. Now, that's huge. You know, so that third dose, again, we see that it's critical in, in having protection. Dr. Garfinkel, how close are we to, to having an annual COVID vaccine like we do the flu shot? Right now we're in this cycle of boosters and, and such, uh, but can you see it coming in the next year or so that we'll have a, a yearly shot? Great question. So the thing about it is that's a definition problem, right? Right now we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So when we talk about an annual shot, that's, that means it's become an endemic like the flu. A pandemic is defined by waves. And right now, Alberta is, is, in a, is, a, is in a seventh wave, you know, so we're looking forward, cough, cough, to an eighth wave come the fall. So we can talk about, you know, annual shots once it's become an endemic and it's no longer going through these waves and troughs. Do you think we'll ever get back to the point where, you know, we're reporting the, the numbers of tests and who's positive and who's not? And, you know, all the, the stats that we were getting at the beginning of the, the COVID pandemic, because we've certainly gone a long way away from that. Yeah, I, and that's concerning, right? But it's hard to test when you're talking about a population getting infected. So if you take a look, these are statistics that came out of Health Canada, actually. They're watching very carefully how many Canadians have had Omicron, and it's incredible. The, the estimation is that 60% of Canadians have now had Omicron. So think about it. That's just from December to now. So this is an extremely contagious disease, and most of us have had it. You know, so it's gone through, that, and, that, and we see it just decimating the hospital systems. You know, the healthcare workers have had it. My own office has been a serious problem. So what's going to happen with this? Well, we're still worried about the emergence of more variants. You know, so we hear about this BA275, that's so-called the Centaurus. You know, it's, that's now been identified in Canada, and that even has more mutations. And who says it has to be another subvariant? We can still see variants. You know, so it's exciting that Moderna is coming out in the fall, hopefully with this bivalent vaccine that specifically aims at Omicron, along with a booster shot. That's what makes it bivalent. But we'll have to see if that's going to be strong enough on a population level to keep the wave down. It's not going to be 100%. That much we know for sure. Moving just a little bit off the COVID track, Dr. Garfinkel, and as you alluded to, in the fall, we'll be gathering indoors much more. And already this summer, with the summer festivals and people gathering with family and friends, do you think that we'll be as fortunate to see such a low flu rate? Or do you think that because we're not going to be practicing the COVID protocols the way we were, that we'll see a noticeable bump in the flu this fall? Oh, without a doubt, there'll be a bump as a result of that. You know, and I worry, too, about vaccine hesitation, because will that take our you know, I've had two doses of COVID. Most people didn't get one vaccination in a year, let alone two, three, or four. So it is concerning. Yeah, we're not wearing masks anymore. So there will be an uptick in influenza, not only influenza, but other, other cold viruses and pneumonias. I fully expect that to happen. So, you know, it's a good time to be thinking about getting that pneumonia shot for people over 65. That makes a big difference. There's actually two of them available. You could talk to your doctor about Prevnar 13, 
and Pneumovax 23, these do reduce the likelihood of community-acquired pneumonia by about 75%. So getting that flu shot, that's about 45 to 50% effective every year. So none of these are perfect. But what happens is we embrace all these imperfectly moving parts, including masks, and we get tremendous reductions in influenza. We've seen that in the last year. Does this thing ever go away or <laughs> once it's introduced into society, is it just always here in some variation or another? I, I think we can say it's, it's here to stay. It's, there's no question. It's here to stay. The question is, how long will it remain a pandemic? We're lucky that even two vaccines are going to reduce the likelihood of hospitalization and death. And, and that is by about 75 percent when it comes to Omicron. But that third dose boosts it up to 95%. That's hot off the press from data from Hong Kong that looked at over 7.5 million people. So I think it's pretty exciting that uh, what the third dose can do. It's just deeply concerning that so many people haven't gotten that third dose just yet. Great point, and uh, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Garfinkel. We appreciate it. Well, many thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. That is Iris Gorfinkel, family doctor, vaccine researcher, and founder of Prime Health Research. How can we become better citizens and address racism in our communities? Joining us to discuss how to do the work is Kate Schatz, New York Times bestseller and co-author, author rather, uh, and co-author of the new book, Do the Work. Good morning to you, Kate. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time uh, with us. Tell us about the latest work that you were part of, Do the Work. What's it, What's the focus there? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Do the Work is a book that I co-wrote with W. Kamal Bell, a good friend of mine, a comedian and TV host here in the States. And Do the Work is an anti-racist activity book. Okay, so tell us how it works. You, you open yeah. it up. and what, what are we focusing on, Kate? So this is a book that helps readers understand and think about race and racism and white supremacy and most importantly what an individual can do about any of that and we take a pretty heavy complicated but really urgent topic and we use the format that a lot of us are familiar with from our childhood which is an activity book like the way we learned in grade school so we have crossword puzzles and word searches and kind of silly games. We have quizzes. We have uh, a lift the flap activity. We've got paper dolls. <laughs> so things that you maybe wouldn't associate with, again, such a serious topic. But uh, through the book, we hope that learners, uh, readers can engage with, again, uh, kind of a difficult topic. Sounds to me because it's a bit of an icebreaker, perhaps, Kate, in that it does take a different mm-hmm. path and a different approach. Was that something that interested you as maybe changing the dialogue right out the get-go with, with something that will take people off guard? Absolutely. Um, Kamal and I both really believe in the power of humor and vulnerability to connect with an audience. Um, that comes from our backgrounds. Uh, Kamal is a stand-up comedian. Uh, I'm uh, an educator. I taught high school. And he and I are also both parents. So we're used to trying to get a, a reluctant audience to pay attention to us, whether it's, you know, trying to get my six-year-old to eat dinner and listen to me or a group of high school students to, to pay attention. Um, you know, we know that there's a lot of different ways to get people to engage, um, again, with such a kind of serious topic. So we take an unexpected route and hopefully readers will appreciate uh, the humor 
in the book. It also has a lot of pictures because who doesn't love illustrations and pictures in a book? Um, but again, we also are very serious throughout, and we also use a lot of history, um, a lot of concrete examples, and it's also a lot of fun. Kate, it feels like I think for a lot of us, it's it's hard to engage in this conversation and, and learning about racism and, and, and these kind of topics because we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. be looked at like we're, you know, we're idiots perhaps even to, quite literally and, and don't mm-hmm. understand it. So is this book, does this help sort of, um, you know, kind of break that down and, and, and help us understand, uh, you know, from from a very basic level? Well, I really hope it does. <laughs> that That's really the goal. Again, you know, a lot of folks are intimidated and, you know, I talk, I'm a, for your radio listeners, I'm a white woman working on this book. My co-author, Kamau, is a black man. And I talk very openly and candidly about uh, being white. And I talk to white people. And there's so many people that don't learn a lot of these histories. They don't know a lot of these things. And also, they're afraid to get it wrong, to say the wrong thing, to use the wrong word. So we try to have compassion for that. You know, if you didn't learn this stuff, it's not necessarily your fault. A lot of these histories don't get taught in schools. You know, um, if you say the wrong thing, uh, it's not the end of the world, but the most important thing is what you do next. Uh, You know, how do you apologize? How do you make amends? Um, How do you learn what you maybe did wrong and then move on and do better the next time? You find, uh, you know, Kate, within the research and and perhaps with your tour to let people know about this book, that some people, maybe not denial, but don't consider it because it's such a subjective thing. For example, uh, you know, I maybe I didn't take part in any rallies and, you know, I, I want equality for everyone. But, you know, I, I sometimes make off-color jokes, so to speak. One of those things as far as, but I'm not racist. Do you get a lot of, you know, people that are uh-huh. somewhat in denial? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, no, most, I'd say, the majority of people do not want to be racist. They do not want to do something that's racist, that's hurtful to others. That's, I, I, you know, I, I believe in the, in, the, in the good of most human beings here. Uh, so people don't want to do that. You know, but there's a lot of ways that we, again, get it wrong, that we say the wrong thing. Or, again, there's things that we just don't realize. So, again, we try to walk readers through that, you know, give them a heads up, give them a lot of different information, um, and then give strategies, really specific strategies for what to do, um, you know, when when we do get something wrong. Um, And, you know, when it comes to denial, I think people, a lot of white people are also very much in denial about the realities of racism, what people of color do experience uh, on a daily basis. You know, someone recently asked me, how would you define white privilege in one quick sentence. And I said, white privilege is the ability to not have to think about racism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, A lot of white people just don't have to think about it. They don't experience it. It's not part of your daily life. You don't even have to think about the fact that you're white. Uh, And that's actually a really great privilege and not something that people of color um, necessarily experience. Oh, true. Okay, the book is called Do the Work. You've said there are activities, puzzles, quizzes, all that kind of thing. So is it is it for any age group or is this sort of aimed at older people? Uh, you know, this is an activity book for grown-ups, as we describe it. Um, I think it's great for teenagers and younger people, but I do want to be really clear to listeners that we uh, do use some profanity throughout the book. We have a few swear words, and not everybody's going to like that, but to be honest, we wrote this book during 2020. <laughs> we wrote this during the pandemic. We wrote this during the January 6th insurrection. Uh, we were pretty angry when we wrote it. We try to, you know, 
hold ourselves back. But there are some swear words uh, throughout. So, you know, maybe not appropriate for younger kids, depending on how you feel about language. But I'll tell you that my nine-year-old has read it, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I know a lot of teenagers who are enjoying it as well. But we really are also trying to get to adults. Um, My background is actually in writing children's books. So I've written a lot for really young audiences. Um, but it's a lot of grown-ups that really need this information as yeah, well. So true. And we will, uh, you know, direct people to kateschatz.com. That's Kate, S-C-H-A-T-Z, as you say in the U.S., Z, as we say here. <laughs> um, but also, you know, you're writing when it comes. You've got about 30 seconds left. But uh, for women, you've got a rad series for women as well, don't you? Mm-hmm. So we, we, I do. Yeah. yeah, my other book, um, I write about cool women from history who've done really remarkable things with a focus on some of the women that maybe you haven't heard of. Uh, and I do have a book called Rad Women Worldwide that includes a number of wonderful Canadian women. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. That was Kate Schatz, New York Times bestselling author. And the book is called Do the Work. You can find out more. Uh, once again, at kateschatz.com. We do need to do the work more and more and more. All right, that's it. No more kids. It's time to get those kids off the screens and get them active for the summer. With details on summer camps and the need to diversify sport funding in Canada, we're joined this morning by Bob Baker, founder and head coach at Striker Sports. Hi, Bob. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you. First of all, tell us a little bit about Striker Sports. Well, we started our program uh, 18 years ago when we were living in Manitoba. We lived in a small town that had no, uh, very little sports in the winter other than uh, hockey. So we started basketball, and then that evolved into uh, also offering volleyball. And uh, when I moved back to Calgary in 2008, uh, we started small and established both programs and now uh, have grown considerably over the last 14 years. Bob, it's interesting because there's no question hockey is king in our nation and uh, the cost. Equipment alone, 500 to to 1000 bucks. That's just a conservative estimate there. Um, of course, there are other options, whether it's uh, soccer, basketball, or even volleyball. Uh, it can be much lower cost for the parents and the participants, can it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I know there's, there are funding sources available to help kids in hockey, but um, basketball is the fastest growing sport across Canada and in markets like Toronto and Montreal, it's now the biggest sport because, uh, a group of kids with a ball and running shoes can go to an outdoor court and shoot hoops all day. And that's exactly what happens. We see that all around the city on outdoor courts. Speaking of funding, Bob, as I'm obviously it's there for hockey. We all know that, but is, for other sports, is it available as well for folks even who might not have that extra bit of money to put their kids in these kind of youth camps? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we work with both uh, Kids Sport and Jumpstart, and they're very good at sponsoring uh, kids that are socially or economically disadvantaged. And they've really, over the years, streamlined the application process for parents. So it, it doesn't take very long from the time you go online and apply until the funding's approved and uh, we have the child registered right away. And uh, we rarely have a child that's rejected by either organization. So the parents accessing those programs uh, definitely need them. I know we're we're on the 20th of July, uh, almost at the halfway point of summer, Bob. But I'm wondering, are there still, A, camps available over the next several weeks? Or B, is it the case that you want to really jump on fall registration now to keep our kids busy? Well, it's it's a little bit of both. We uh, we heard a lot of 
publicity in early June that all summer there was huge demand, which there is, and that summer camps were all full. And parents call us uh, sort of with this faint hope, is it possible to get my child in our camp? And actually, most of our camps still have some space, anywhere from, you know, six to ten spots left um, over the next five weeks. So uh, somebody who still wants to get involved in either basketball or volleyball or advance the skills of their child's already involved, um, we certainly have opportunities still for that. On that note, Bob, first of all, camp, you say camp. It's not overnight, though, right? This is just sort of a daily thing, correct? That's correct. Okay. They're uh, 9 to 4 uh, daily in different locations around the city, and we offer both half-day and full-day camps. So for parents uh, where you might both be working, um, the, the child can attend camps. And another unique feature we have is we offer two sport camps. So the kids play half a day of volleyball each day and half a day of basketball. So for the younger kid, that, that gives them kind of a good taste and foundation in both sports. And they can decide from there whether they want to pursue one or both. And I'm curious about skill level. So, I mean, I've got a, a kid, he loves volleyball, but he's not super gifted at it. D- do these kids have to be pretty decent in order to take these camps? Or is it, you know, sort of different levels that are available? Uh, no, different levels are available. We get a wide range of skill levels. And uh, we divide the kids up by age groups. And then within those age groups, we match the kids up sort of based on physical size, uh, physical ability, and skills. So if the child's a beginner, he's going to be playing or practicing with another beginner. And uh, we offer you know, all levels, basically from beginner through intermediate into the kids that are playing competitively uh, in junior and senior high school. And some even go on to play club ball or post-secondary um, ball. Great stuff. We appreciate your time in explaining all about uh, striker sports to us, Bob. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bob Baker, founder and head coach at Striker Sports. You can find more online, strikersports.ca, and that's striker with a Y. I, when I was growing up, we, at our school up the street from our house, just had the city would put it on. Every day the school was open, and it was sort of like a sports camp, kind of like oh, that. Wow. You, you played, well, we called it murder ball back in the day. <laughs> I don't think they call it that anymore, but it was just all about, you know, you just kind of, they put you into groups and would help you a little bit, but you just played. Mm-hmm. And it sounds kind of like, you know, that's what this is, depending on your level. If you want to start at the sort of beginner then there's that option for you too, because I think I think it's a little intimidating for kids to put them into a camp. Yeah, because it seems on like one track, right? It you should be really good at it if you're going to do that. But uh, as I look at the website for Striker Sports, it doesn't look like that. There's lots of different levels. But I think more, yeah, to your point, I think it's important to not just have what my passion is being passed on to my kid, but as many different a sampling, a buffet of yes. different activities because you see never what know. You love. Yeah, you never know what they'll excel in, mm-hmm. and more importantly, what they're having fun with and will enjoy. You had me at cookies. Joining us now, editor of Saver Calgary Magazine, Cammie Laird, to talk about all the sweet stuff in the latest edition, donuts, ice cream, and cookies. Good morning, Cammie. Good morning. Sounds delicious. It really, really does. Okay, you definitely know the way to our hearts. Tell us about the latest edition of Saver Calgary Magazine. Always so yummy. Thank you. Well, uh, it starts with this ooey, gooey, drippy, yummy issue, uh, image on the issue of this ice cream cone melting down someone's hand, which makes me want to wash my hands, but also like stick it in my face. So it just starts (laughs) off great and bright and beautiful. And um, yeah, we have a cover story or a feature story on donuts, which is one of my favorite things on earth. You put sugar, flour, and fat together and I am in. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so there's, you know, 
it's exploded in the last couple of years, uh, the offering of donuts. And you can even subscribe to boxes with ritual donuts and uh, take secret trips to the mountains and pick them up at a back door because, you know, sometimes they're called guilty pleasures. Um, one of my favorites, though, is like an original, a classic original. Do you remember at school when we got those big Texas donuts? Yes. Um, and we had to line up forever for those. Oh, so good. Anyway, you can get those at Glamorgan Bakery, and they've been selling out regularly since 1995 there. So go before noon. Uh, get some cheese buns while you're there, too, because those are also uh, amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've also sort of donuts have found their way onto some of the fancier restaurants' menus uh, as well. So in the dessert menus, they, they pop up. I love the Native Tongues ones. So delicious. Um, but you can also find them at A1 Cantina and Fonda Fora. And a uh, new place uh, in the Beltline called Central Taps also has them. I'm wondering if we could uh, switch gears and talk ice cream for a second, Cammie. Um, but it's counterintuitive because everybody tried to get their beach bod for summer, <laughs> and now we're eating donuts and ice cream and cookies. Um, is it just me, or is ice cream, and even if you include gelato under the umbrella, really uh, come of age in the city of Calgary? We have so many choices, so much quality, and uh, so many uh, different varieties. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it's uh, our summer is short, but we like to, you know, stuff it full of fat things <laughs> and and sweet things. And yes, you're absolutely right. I think that one of the really interesting things happening with ice cream is all the flavors coming from Asia. Um, there's like, Foothills Creamery have just come out with a whole new suite of ones. And one of them is the ube, mm-hmm. groovy ube, they call it. And it's purple and it's like so delicious. Um, and then Abby, um, Abby's uh, ice cream is like Abby's Creations, they call it. They're new and they've opened like three stores in the last like several months. Um, and she uh, went to the Philippines. She's from the Philippines and she checked it out. What's happening over there? And she brought all these flavors home. Um, Macapuno, tiramisu, Vietnamese coffee, a bunch of stuff that, um, you know, you really kind of want to get out and try new flavors for, for folks who uh, just might want to try something different. Okay, we've covered donuts. We've covered ice cream. Do not leave cookies in the dust. Well, we can't. You know, it's not like they're just crumbs after the fact. Um, cookies are, uh, well, if you look at Abby's ice cream sandwiches, for example, they house make their cookies and slather that ice cream on in between them. There's a great photo of that, and it just makes me drool to see that one. Um, and then I, we'd like to take a trip over to some farmer's markets uh, this summer and visit Celeste's cookie jar. Um, she just makes the cutest cookies. They're like, they're designed so beautifully and they make they make a beautiful gift honestly um any time of year and she's yeah she's a one woman show down at the farmers markets and she's uh you know inspired by mom they made christmas cookies together and i think we can all sort of relate to that nostalgia uh with a cookie and um yeah you can find her celeste down at hillhurst uh, sunnyside farmers market and bridgeland riverside market this summer um and yeah i encourage you to go out and visit those summers the summer farmers markets man they're just rife with beautiful things and stuff you can't get all year incredible you've got everything we need and uh, you can hop online savercalgary.ca but also where can we pick up the physical copy uh, cam because i love flipping through the pages thank you isn't there something about flipping the pages Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh you know we're in hundreds actually of places all over town so the best thing to do is visit savercalgary.com slash read us and there's a great list there and um, one of the other things that um, we love about this print edition is we're starting to meld it with the digital edition so you'll notice QR codes now um, kind of throughout the magazine that adds additional content so recipes related to the stories or little additional tips from uh, the cooks and things like that so really try to um, bring the digital and the print together which is fun Everything you need to know about food in the city of Calgary, you'll find it within the magazine or the digital copy. SaverCalgary.ca. Thank you so much, Cammie. Love chatting with you. Now we're hungry. (laughs) 
<laughs> Have a great day, guys. You too. Cami Laird is the editor of Safer Calgary Magazine. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.